You are listening to the Vital MX Post Race Show, presented by Decal Works. Welcome to the Vital MX Post Race Show, the first round of 2023 Pro Motocross. I almost said Monster Energy Supercross. Pro Motocross is in the rearview mirror. Fox Raceway has been and gone. In a way, it was fairly predictable. In other ways, it was not. And we will break down all of that on this edition of the Vital MX Post Race Show. Thanks to Decal Works. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. The only reason we're doing this is because of their support. If their support goes away, this goes away. It's really quite simple. Um, so if you like this, and I'm sure there's one person out there who does, you should probably go and order something on Decal Works, because otherwise, poof, it's all gone. And wouldn't that be a shame? <coughs> um, sorry, I got emotional then. Um, I'm Lewis Phillips, your host, as per usual, joined by Michael Lindsay. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm going to start with this. So this was my first pro motocross round ever. Um, never like I'd been to, well, I went to my first supercross when I was 10. So I'd done supercross as a fan, but, um, I don't know. I'd never been to pro motocross as media or a fan media because, um, by the time that pro motocross started, I was always, I was always in the, like the stretch run of MXGP and too busy to come over. Um, and I never came as a fan because I was racing myself in the summer. So why would I go and watch motocross on the other side of the world? So I had no idea what to expect um, today. I had no idea how it ran. I had no idea where to go. I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> I had no, <coughs> I had no idea of what the um, processes were. I was a, I was a complete noob again, and I haven't been a noob for a very, for like ten years. So it made me feel quite uncomfortable, but. I have to say, I quite liked it. Um, I miss certain parts about MXGP. A two-story pit lane with cover and TVs would be amazing. Um, well, there is one. It's just mechanics only. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. The, it's it's not it's quite like as fancy. half the size. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, heck, we only got that like a year or two ago. A skybox would be nice. Um, but apart from that. Um, yeah, I genuinely was quite like, I got, I, heard, I got a lot of negative stuff coming into this, like you're going to hate it, there's no pit lane, it's not as good as GPs. Some European people said to me, like, it's just like a Dutch championship, it's nothing comparable to a GP. Um, and I did get that vibe to an extent where certain parts I was like, okay, this feels more like a British championship than a GP. But there were also other parts that were really, really, really good. Um, so to be honest, I'm pretty stoked right now. Well, I think you'll be more stoked when we get on to different rounds because Fox Raceway definitely is. It's not one of the more premier events, especially in terms of viewing. It's such a long spread out in one direction track. It's not very square. So, I mean, it it was even weird. Like the the paddock is very low for foot traffic at this round because the paddock is on one opposite side of the property. All of your camping, parking, and almost all your fans are on the other side. So foot traffic is really low at this round, um, especially towards the bottom halves. Once you get to, of course, a red bud or something like that, it's a totally different experience. I um I have a massive list of pros and cons <coughs> and observations um from today. I'm not going to unleash that yet because I want to go to Hangtown and get a second opinion to just double check a couple of my facts. Are, um, are, are you going to keep complaining if the tracks are over two minutes long? That was that was weird <laughs> to me. Why was the track so long? Like, it wasn't even that long. Two minutes 30. It felt like a bloody enduro. The riders went round on lap one. I almost went and had a nap. 
and then came back to see what the running order was at the end of lap one. Um, <laughs> no, I do remember lap one. You're like, they're going to be gone forever. And then when they came back, you're like, oh, 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 they're back. They're yeah, back. No, oh, no, 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 they've come back. It's like a boomerang. Just throw it. Oh, it was gone. Oh, no, it's actually come back. Yeah, the track was long. Like, it's too long. Well, if it was any if it was any shorter, do you know how far they would have lapped in the dang 450 class? It was too long. Too long. Um, you should have you should have experienced GH back in the day when we'd go up all the way. REM track would be over three minutes. I think the FIM regulations for GPs are it has to be under two minutes. I think because Matterly is Matterly is like two minutes ten, and I think for whatever reason that's an exception to the rule. Like for some reason, I don't know. See, US the goal is usually to get them over two minutes. No, we don't like that. No. Why? Let's we can sit at two minutes. Let's aim for like one fifty to two five. Why? Well, to be fair, Villa Susekot, the last GP, was 152. I mean, that's still 40 seconds. That's 40 se- That's a long GP track, and that's 40 seconds a lap shorter than Parler was. You know who it wasn't long for? Who? Today's winner, Jet Lawrence. No, so we're going to get into that. Hold on, I'm just looking at GP. So all of, all of the GP tracks this year, the last four GP tracks have been 150, and then Switzerland was 140, Sardinia was 150 again, Argentina was so yeah they're all 150 apart from one so that's clearly the benchmark um that's 40 seconds a lap less than today couldn't get my mind around it never seen anything like it the poor riders I checked the times after qualifying it said they completed six laps six I was just like well go figure they were doing an enduro um is Hangtown long like that uh, it's over two minutes oh, but it won't be up. two minutes it'll probably be 205 would be my guess all right I'm gonna fix that <laughs> we're just going to change the entire entire sanctity of the series just no, for your needs i'll just cut i'll make a little cut at hangtown and i'll just stand there with a flag and when they come out on that one i'll just wave them through my little like like the 50 cut through to make the track short um yeah we, we, the lewis Ch- the lewis chicane too long um by the way, um, I'm coughing a lot because I've got a lot of dust in my throat because I'm literally, re- we're recording this, well, I'm on my way back from the track. Um, I'm not really sure why we're doing it this quickly. It's just nice to get it out of the way because just something off the plate, I guess. Um, so it's all very fresh. I and think so we can both sleep in tomorrow and get rid of our, and nurse our sunburns. And that. Um, so let's talk about the results. Let's talk about the 450 winner, Jet Lawrence, which wasn't a su- it wasn't a surprise. No, it, it wasn't a surprise. I was going to say it wasn't a surprise, but it was. But honestly, it wasn't a surprise because either Jet or Chase were going to win. And I would have been surprised if it was anyone else, but it was going to be either J- Jet or Chase, right? Yes. The only thing I would say that was a surprise, and this will be a, a point I want to ask you, is yes, we have a, a weak field this year, but how do you rank his debut by the fact that number one qualifying over two and a half, well, about two, two and a half seconds faster than Chase, Moto one and two, Leads every single lap, technically whole shot for Moto Two, not quite for Moto One. Uh, not the debut I quite expected. I, I like you said, it was either going to be Jet or Chase, but and not that it was. I don't want to say the word dominant because Chase was close to Moto Two, but just the fact that he basically ticked all the boxes at his first four fifty was a little bit surprising. To not me. it wasn't dominant; it was commanding. Yes, that's um, that's a, that's a good term for it. It's not that he. Destroy chess, but the fact that he ticked off every box, it's just a very commanding presence to start your 450 um, career. You mentioned qualifying. Mm-hmm. Pat on the back to me for the best line of the day because everyone, as the Chase Sexton um, representative, I guess you could call me, a lot of people were coming up to me and going, what do you think? Jet's 
two seconds quicker or whatever it was. Uh, two and a half, I think. Best line of the day. I just kept telling everyone, we're not a one lap guy. It's just not really, it's never been our thing. We just <laughs> never, never really been a practice guy. We show up when it races, when we race. <laughs> Some people thought I was serious and thought I just hadn't like. No, because I think you, I text right after, right after I crossed the line, I sent you the 2.5 with the eye emoji and you sent me that text and I started laughing in my head because the first thing I thought is, if he puts this on Twitter, people are going to take this way too seriously. Yeah, I put it on Twitter and then I deleted it because I, I, <laughs> yeah, my reply to your text was, we've never really been a one lap speed kind of guy. Just not really our thing. Um, we're the old wily vet now anyway. <laughs> these young, these young whippersnappers think qualifying pays <coughs> points. Oh my God, this cough's annoying me. These Wait, young, is this MXGP now? These young whippersnappers <laughs> think that these qualifying, um, things pay points actually that's a good point not to like really bounce between mxgp chase could still be an mx2 in gps so could jet yeah i know but i i i use i use who can still be an mx2 in gps as like a litmus test of oh he's young or oh he's not yeah like for instance when i turned 23 I was like, holy fuck, I can't race MX2 GPs anymore. Not like I ever would, but I was like, fuck, I've aged out of MX2. It makes you just feel old. Yeah, like I've aged out of MX2. Like, what the fuck? Um, Yeah, Chase could still be an MX2. That's quite crazy now that I think about it. Um, Yeah, but Jet, I think my biggest, I guess my biggest surprise is Jet starts on a 250 very inconsistent. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Jet starts on a 250 were very inconsistent. And that seems to have been fixed on the 450. I think that's my biggest takeaway from today is like my, hmm, that's interesting. One of my takeaways was you always hear riders say this when they move up. Oh, I'm a better 450 guy. I'm a better 450 guy. And I always joke that half of them are full of crap. Um, After watching Jet in qualifying and pretty much across the board, I think he's one of the few people I would ever believe that from that. Yes, I am a better 450 guy. The fact that he just sounds like he's cruising around in third gear all the time and killing it i mean chases are we always talk about chase in that manner oh he's so smooth he rides a gear high this and this and then jet <laughs> even compared to chases even more um but let's let's like compare the two because that's kind of a story i do believe this and again i say what i believe i don't really give a shit so i will just say what's on my mind um had a fan today actually stopped me and say i appreciate the fact that you don't give a fuck and i was like thank you um it's kind of my trademark um so jet's moving up to a 450 it's new for him however he's actually got a head start on the rest of the field because okay okay i guess everyone's situation is different in this absolutely just weird 450 field but chase was chase's supercross championship was going down to the wire yeah he he got a late a late start or later start than usual on outdoors limited testing Jet, I have it on good authority that Jet didn't ride Supercross for two weeks before Salt Lake City. Yeah. Because he was just motoring down outdoors. And in the long West Coast break, you know he was motoring mm-hmm. down outdoors. So we're in this weird situation where, yeah, it was Jet's 450 race, but yet first 450 race, but yet somehow he's actually more prepared than anyone else in the field. Um, I do honestly believe that. So I think that's something to consider. Whereas I think I think people are like, well, it was Jet's first 450 race. Let's see how much better he gets. I think actually the opposite is true. Let's see how much better Chase gets as we get into the throes of the series. Like you even saw it. Um, the difference in Chase from Moto One to Moto yes. Two was like ridiculous. That was going to be my point. So I during the first Moto, that was one of the first things that hit me. I'm like, not only has Jet had the typical, oh, he's 250 guys had the break. 
I mean, this has been a long-term plan from getting ready to destinations last year. All that talk was, oh, all this setup with this bike, all of this development is for getting ready for next year, getting ready for next year's outdoor. And we'll get even to more point where at Honda, it's kind of unique right now because you have a little bit of change in crew. So you have Grant Hutchinson that used to be the 250 crew chief. He is now directly assigned only to Jet, and he helped Cox with the development of the 450 package that Jet is riding, which is different than Chase's 450 package. Shane Drew, who was the 450 crew chief, is now just assigned to Chase Sexton. And then Rooster, that was um, Nichols' mechanic and was Kenny's before, is now 250 crew chief. You kind of have this, even under the rig, you have the two 450s on the far side. They each have different packages. They have each people focused on them. In Jet's case... Hutch and Cox used to be there. They've been working on this setup for him since last year, since before destinations. They put quite a bit of work into this thing. And as you said, so during the first moto that hit me, because you have Dylan who's got limited time. You have Aaron who basically got to do no outdoor testing. Webb who barely decided to race this week. And yes, you could see the difference in Chase from qualifying to first moto to second moto. It got better. Um, I said this to Chase as well at the end of the day in our best friend powwow. Um, I said, like, yeah, you finished second in the second moto, but, like, in my eyes, that's as good as a win because there was nothing separating you. And had the start been reversed, I think the order would have been reversed. Like, it was a one-line track. Also, can we talk about that? Two minute 30 lap time and just one line the whole way around. We, we got two minutes 30 to work I with. don't know. I saw RJ Hampshire make a lot of passes. Like, the second motos were better. But I was quite shocked at how one line the track was early on. Um, I think it was because the outsides were so muddy. Well, I think one thing we've, we talked about last year, a lot of people I think enjoyed in outdoors last year is we got away from overwatering our tracks, which you end up with basically everybody told me today they were blown away that once you start a section, you were basically stuck in a rut all the way at the end, kind of the old slot car adage. Um, where last year we kind of got away with that away from that with most of our track prep um, they went to a little bit drier a little bit less moisture so you can move around more like you typically see at a gp um, paul i mean they, they've always struggled with that track getting dry in the past i think they went a little too heavy on the water um, this day and i had a lot of riders tell me that they were just like yep once you pretty much came out of a corner you were kind of stuck on one side of the track till you got to two or three corners later before you could really switch your line um, i will say this as well watching jet and chase uh up close because up close because i had a photographer's bib um you're welcome and at random they just pull a photographer's bib out throw it at me and i i jokingly say to the people in my vicinity um oh it'd be great if i was number 23 i unfolded it saw the second digit was a three i was like oh well, it's going to be 13 or 33. I actually at random got 23. So I walked around all day just with a massive 23 on my chest. And, and, that's, that and that's your vest for the year. Oh, that's my vest for life. I'll be wearing it tomorrow. I had the one shot shock. I'll me. be wearing it Monday. I'm going to get chase one. We're going to be matching. But buddies. Um, <laughs> yeah, so watching them closely because I was very close to the track. Maybe very too close. close. Um, Surprising it yelled at. I was actually on the track. No. <laughs> um... <laughs> Would not surprise. I me. thought Chase, uh, Chase's bike looked a lot more unsettled than Jets. It was a yes. it was a lot busier. That was visible. And actually talking to Chase after the race again in our best friend Powell, um, he said that I said to, I think I, I think my question was, are you as happy with your bike as you expected to be, or are you are you surprised that you're behind, or are you surprised that you're ahead? And he was like, No, we've got work to do. Like he said, he said he knew that they were going to have work to do, but he was like, yeah, we've definitely got work to do. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a factor. Um, Speaking of their bikes, um, something I was a little surprised on. So during Supercross, we made kind of a big deal that Chase was running the braced frame. Outdoors, he is not on the braced frame, but Jet's on the braced frame, and he never ran one of those on two fifty. Um, Jet's on a standard style A kit shock, and Chase is still on the BFRC. And then I believe I could be wrong here, but I believe their engine packages are pretty different from each other. Cause I think like I said, the one was kind of Cox and Hutch that was on jets um, versus what chase runs. So I think there's a decent amount of differences between those two bikes actually. Um, actually, so I didn't interview jet. So I don't have much, like I don't have much. I've, I interviewed chase. So I've got a lot of information to provide. Shocking. You have a lot of chase. Well, knowledge. also shocking. No one interviewed jet. Um, uh, he said that he said that he was just in a bit of like a funk from press day. Like mm-hmm. even like he woke like he was just woke up today and just wasn't like it just wasn't clicking from the moment he opened his eyes for some reason. Um, and again, you could see first moto um, he was stuck behind Ferrandis for way too long, clearly faster. And then once he got by, I don't know what lap it was, but there was one lap when he he did a two twenty seven and Jet and Ferrandis both did two twenty nines. Yeah, and that was the moment when I was like, okay. He's he's here, kind of thing. He's a right. He's he's turned up, um, and then similar to Moto Two, from that point on, him and Jet went back and forth. Of like, Chase was a second faster. Jet was a second faster. But that that left me with the impression after Moto One, where I was like, okay, as long as Chase starts with Jet or ahead or behind, whatever, as long as they start together, they they Chase has Jet speed. Yeah. So like the second Moto wasn't surprising to me at all, especially once Chase made the important move of getting around Ferrandis on lap one. Um, yeah, I don't know why Chase felt like he was in a bit of a funk all day. Um, maybe a motivational talk with me would help go a long way. I don't know. We'll try that, I guess, at the next round. I think the the one kind of disappointing part for me from this race, what we talked about the track conditions, is not really getting to see them dice and actually get to race each other. Yes, we got to see them run around and and set a blazing pace, but compared to watching, by example, watching Eli and Chase battle it out there last year, there was a lot more dicing between those two with it being follow the leader. I was like, okay, yeah, they're both fast, but I want to see I want to see how they handle each other racing because that's still my huge question mark with Jet is he's won these 250 championships, not not you, you can't say the word easy, but he's been so commanding on those. I want to know what it's going to be like when he is pressured by somebody that can stand up to him like Chase. What is it going to be like when they're actually able to move, make moves on each other? What's is, you know, is there going to be buckling or how strong is he going to be mentally? Like that's what I want to see. And we didn't get any of that. We didn't get anything out of that from this race. This actually struck me today as well. Um, speaking of that perfect comparison, um, again, going back to GPs, but it's all comparable. Like it's all, so don't hate me. Um, Prado, obviously similar to Jet, had it very easy in his 250 days. Um, started up front most of the time, and if he didn't, pick the guys off, finish third, finish second, no real stress, barely broke a sweat. And for the first two years that he was in the 450 class, every single time I spoke to him on record and off record, he was just like, yeah, they, they really just like want to race hard. Like, there's just a lot going on. Like, every every position is just a massive battle. Like, like he was just in shell shock of like, even to this day, he's been in 450s for four years and he even says now, like, I just need to get, like, I had it so easy in 250s, I just need to get used to this, like, mentality or this, this um, yeah. tactic of being on the defense or offense if I'm in 15th or first. 
And yeah, so I like randomly today, I kind of was like, it's actually that's similar to Jet. Like, I'll, I'll be interested to see what Jet does when he's in fourth and Ferrandis is behind him, giving him all he can handle, and Plessinger's in front of him, absolutely just refusing to let him through for 10 laps. Like, because, yeah, we haven't seen Jet in that situation. Sure, he came through the field in 250s, but what? Realistically, it took him a lap to pick off a guy at the most. Like, yeah. there was never times when you were like, oh, Jet is frustrated right now. He can't do anything with this guy. Like, we haven't seen that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I also am very interested on that. Um, it's going to be really shocking if Honda somehow fumble this championship. Oh, it would... I, I, I'm trying to think about it right now, and I can't even process how that would happen unless the two of them careen and somehow end each other's season together. I, I, I can't process any thought of it happening. So, championship percentages... It's back for another season. <laughs> um, 60-40, leaning towards Chase just because of experience, but I really don't have... I'm kind of waffling between them. I want to see something else. I want to see race. I was going to say exactly the same, but to be different, I will say 65-35, just to yeah. be a little bit different. Um, yeah, I do think... I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what... Like It is, it is hard to um, split them. The one I'm well, the craziest part with this is what you said. I mean, because of the field we have, no offense to to the rest of them, is I just man, I unless we find something in the next couple of races that separates them either on speed, if they're kind of in this summer boat, it's just like okay, which one gets the better start? Because let's say in two weeks, um, Chase gets the start and Jet starts ninth. I would say based on the speed we see, you think Jet will get back to second, but Chase will be good enough; he won't be able to get around him. Vice versa. Chase the next moto could have a bad start. Jet would start number one or number two gun lead. I feel, I don't know, just after the first round, that's the one thing that's striking me. Is it just going to be a war of who gets a better start and the other is going to catch him and then not be able to do anything about it? Um, breaking news. Breaking. Shocking. Ferrandis, like, really doesn't like his bike. <laughs> oh, I, I went and talked. So you talked. I didn't know if you got to talk to him. I did for a little bit and. I mean, it started all the way at press day. I mean, we it's not so, like, yeah, we knew it because any opportunity, you tell the man, like, you bump into him in a grocery store and you're like, oh, are you having a good day? He finds an opportunity <laughs> to go, yeah, I've just got to adapt to this bike. Like, any opportunity is like the meme of, like, the guy hovering over a button, like, sweating, and the button just says, like... Well, adapting to bike the, the one thing i'll say is i did try to ask him questions about the bike and he said oh i cannot talk about what we're you know what my direction yeah, he did the same is to me um but yeah that was press day that was pretty much the first thing that got brought up on the stadium he was like yeah i'm just trying to figure out this bike we've had limited testing you know that is the focus right now that was pretty much the comments today the one i thought that was interesting is i mean coming to this race we all said oh yeah it's gonna be jet or chase for the win and dylan third there was no doubt in my mind that that's gonna be your top three and dylan said I'm just very happy to be on the podium today. I didn't think that happened. I was like, really? Because I, I joked to them. I'm like, uh, pretty much all of us said you would be on the podium. You really didn't think so. And he said, no, especially after first practice. He said, I did not think I would be on the podium. I And first po first practice was rough. 13th time qualifying. Jerry Robin was the top Yamaha by three seconds. Honestly, he, um, he said to me that he was riding at 75% because of the bike. The bike yeah. wouldn't allow him to go further than that. Which, as I said to him, that's kind of a good thing, I guess, because it'd be more worrying if he was like, yeah, I was 100% and I was 20 seconds off. Um, I honestly question whether he even finds that 25% though, because yeah. I feel like 
we've repeatedly heard of, about this hole that he's in. Yeah. And we've not really heard any signs of light or... Well, I was going to say, because he said, you know, just limited time, limited time. So, you know, he's been a little bit quiet. I was wondering, okay, how much has he been riding? So I said, oh, how many days have you had ready to get outdoors? And I said days because I was kind of giving some slack of like, oh, maybe he's only going to tell me he's rode seven times. He's like, oh, about five or six. And I'm like, wow, five or six days is what I said in my head. And he's like, oh, about five or six weeks. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Usually would think somewhere in there they would have found something. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm like. Again, even talking to him, it's not like he he doesn't say like, "Yeah, we're struggling with the bike, but we tried this this week, and I think that's good." Or we we've talked about trying this, like for instance, Webb said, um, "Yeah, this week I'm going to try a new tire and engine bracings," like because yeah. there's a plan, and it just seems like Fernandez is just like, "Yeah, we're we're, we're lost." Like, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to fix a problem. Like, it doesn't seem like there's much. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's much hope or whatever. Yeah. I don't well, know. Like I said, this really kind of backs up the the narrative behind the scene right now about conversations about him trying to go to a different team and get out of his current deal. If if there's just that much of a, yep, we're lost. Don't know where to go. I just, I don't know. I don't know about Ferrandis. Honestly, honestly, there's a part of me that wouldn't be surprised if, if Plessinger, Plessinger, Webb, and Cincerello all leapfrog him here shortly um which is kind of amazing to say but i do think there's a potential for that i definitely look at ferrandis as more in the plessinger web cincerello group than the sexton lawrence group at the moment a little bit i thought differently first mode because of how long it took chase to get around him and even though jet was inching i actually thought dylan i don't know i thought dylan's first mode of performance was more impressive than his second like home chase they didn't lose that much ground i will say though it is a mass from the first session where he was pulling in every lap trying to make a change and the bike teeter-tottered so much it looked like he was going to go over the bars or off the back every time he'd brake or accelerate i mean the day definitely got a lot better so i don't know even on that end well if they can continue the improvement trajectory they did from first practice through the motos it could come around somewhat um Plessinger went 5-4, and uh, many riders, as I said to him, many riders have gone 5-4 on a very boring day where there's not much to say. And it's just, yeah, finished 5-4. But Plessinger made it hard fucking work. Yes. Like, f- Jesus. Every, second moto would be every other lap, like, oh, he got Webb. Oh, now he's behind Webb again. Oh, he got Webb. Oh, he's behind Webb again. When he crashed, what, two or three times, times. in the first moto? Yeah. Um, but... I think he's very so weird. One, he said to me that this like today was his sixth or seventh, his sixth and seventh outdoor moto, um, like including practice and everything. Yeah. So, Webb, well, we'll talk about him in the same breath. So, talking to Webb, he said, um, "I said to him like, according to my inside source, you hadn't tested outdoors at all before Nashville because like it kind of wasn't happening." And he was like, and he actually said, I like this. He said, no, before Nashville, I hadn't tested Supercross. I hadn't tested outdoors at all because the plan was to race Supercross all year. 
And I liked that because he didn't say yeah. the thing that would get him in trouble, <laughs> but he, he fully yeah. said it. Like, I actually, I like, I like him the when riders of, do that. Hey, let's win World Supercross, yeah. and I was going to be maybe allowed to go race. Or sorry, I, if I won Supercross, there was a whole thing. I might have been able to race World Supercross on my KTM. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like it when riders are smart like that. Like, they don't say what's, they don't Web, say the thing that will get them in trouble, but they fully Web, Web's give it good. away. I feel like Cooper's really good at that. Yeah, Webb and Hurlings, they're literally the same person. No wonder um, they're such close friends. Um... But yeah, so Webb hadn't tested outdoors at all until, well, yeah. this week. Marvin obviously is <coughs> out. Um, and then Aaron, had, this was his sixth or seventh um, moto. So all in all, Red Bull KTM had very little outdoor data yeah. to go off of. But Literally. despite that, Aaron and Cooper both seemed like yeah. insanely happy with their bikes. So because like two weeks ago when they were out doing a lot of engine stuff at Paula with the 250 guys before the, the track closed the, um, for, up for the national... Like I told you one day, I'm like, well, no passenger here, but Ryan Marais is testing, who, of course, has been team coordinator. Now he's on the uh, pr- production development side. But that's, I mean, that was the limit of their 450 development and just kind of tossed it to Coop and Plessinger. Um, Interesting little note on each of them. So both of them are on the production air fork that comes on the bike stock. Of course, different settings. So they're both on AER 48 forks or I think they call them Zact forks now. Um, Plessinger is on work shock. Webb is on a production shock. So Webb is on the exact same fork and shock that is on the bike off the showroom floor, just with different settings. I um, I honestly thought that Webb was racing, being made to race against his will. Um, but off the record, he f- he was like, "No, honestly, like I want to be here." Like yeah. he said, he said, obviously, it wasn't one hundred percent my decision. Yeah. But it was definitely a mutual decision. Um, Makes and- sense for him because, I mean, what is it selling the summer versus as limited as the field is, he's going to do pretty good this summer, make good money, set himself up better for SMX. Even if he departs the team at the end of the year, like it still was a good decision to go racing for the rest of the year. And he looked into it. Like from the very first mm-hmm. lap of practice, he looked racy. I think so. Even on call, I felt like on press day when other guys were messing around, he went full send. And the first thing I thought is like, I think Webb is mentally convincing himself to do this while everybody else is taking press day easy. I felt like he was like, I'm going to send it because I'm convincing myself. I can send it outdoors again. That was the vibe I got, which also concluded with the video Sean got of him of overshooting the finish line by like 30 feet to his face. But you know, he wrote that out. He said, he he (laughs) said he joked to the team that like, Oh, okay. That isn't a super cross triple. No, um, he almost made it into one, but on the, on the idea of like convince on the idea of him convincing himself, I said to him after the race, like everyone's come up with this like notion that you are just a super cross guy, but your outdoor career is like solid. Um, obviously two fifties better than four fifties, but four fifty outdoor career is solid. Like he's been the fastest qualifier outdoors more than he has indoors. Um, like there is, he, I don't think that he is a super cross guy, but I said to him, like, you don't think he's a supercross guy? No, I don't think he's a. I <laughs> no. think I think he's got outdoor legs. And I said to him, like, but you hit like this is said so much that you almost must start to believe it yourself that you can't do it outdoors, and you kind of have to like remind yourself and convince yourself. And he like fully agreed, but like he had to he has to get himself in the mindset of like, no, I can do this. Yeah, which is quite crazy when you like as I say that I realize that's quite crazy for a guy who is probably the most mentally strong yeah. in the field i still I, that's why i was saying like and i think you saw the same every session i felt like he was just pushing himself again to get into that mindset of like no i'm not here to dick around i'm here yeah it's a last minute decision but i'm here to take it serious i'm here to race i'm here to be an outdoor guy and i felt like he was trying to set that precedence every time he was on track um 
Yeah, honestly, Webb was probably my biggest surprise. Uh, I don't have to say surprise takeaway. Yeah. Where, like I was just like, look at him go. Yeah. Like he is into it. Like even the first lap of the second moto, like he was sending it to pass Sexton in the mm-hmm. third turn. Like I was just like, look at him go. Like the result on paper, okay, fifth. That doesn't. If you hadn't watched the race, I would look at this and go, okay, fifth. He was probably a distance fifth, just floating around. But like you said. He was attempting moves early. Again, he was trying to put himself in the conversation. I honestly thought he would be 45 seconds behind, riding around, and we'd all be looking at him going, yeah, he's, he's he just doesn't sending want to be it here. He's yeah. just getting a paycheck. Like, he does not want to be here. He's putting in little effort. But it was the complete opposite. Like, even compared to what the web we see in Supercross, like, it just he just looked so much friskier and, like, more intense and more, like, I don't know, froggy. Um AC was sixth and the final, the final part of the uh, true 450 class, you could say. Um, honestly, I thought he would be, I you said that you were convinced that it would be a Jet Chase Dylan podium. I thought it would be a Jet Chase Adam podium. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. But still, solid points for Adam. Nothing really to write home about. Um, I, again, the race just finished. But he said that... He said that he he has his bike set up really stiff for outdoors, especially the front end. But with his arm issue, he can't ride that bike. So he needs to change his setup and learn how to ride the new setup to work with his arm, hand, wrist issue thing. Um, so that's his biggest like hurdle that he now needs to overcome is learning to ride a setup which is for contrary to what he actually wants outdoors. Um, but I think AC gets a win this year. I think we all forget how just how good he was um, or just how good he has been outdoors. And a fun AC fact, he has qualified inside of the top three at all but one of his 450 starts. And the one that he didn't, he was fourth. So like, big outdoor guy, AC. Well, yeah, it's, he's got an outdoor championship, 250s. Did you ask him if he was aware who Jose Butron was when he passed him twice in the Sakamoto? No, but we'll get to Butron. Eighth overall. Who would have thought? Um, right. Yeah, let's be honest. The top six is the 450 class. Everything beyond sixth is something different. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's not. They're two different things. They're not the same thing. But it's as if we have two classes racing and they're just dropping the gate at the same time. Correct? I don't want to be that harsh. That's not harsh. <laughs> I mean, could. props to Grant Harlan because he beat yeah. AC in a second moto. So yes. Yeah. There's still like these guys. Here's the big thing is I think as the rounds go on again, guys like Harlan, your Norin, potentially like a Robin, Butron. as they get to mix it in more, I think they will try to attach that pace more and you won't see as much separation. But yes, at round one, even in qualifying, um, Jerry was seventh in the A session and I, whoever was six, it was like a two or three second gap. Like you had your top six and then it was like a two second drop to like the next group of guys, um, and qualifying so there definitely is a difference there we're kind of missing the separation or the the people that would separate that group like i said i think a couple of these guys will kind of rise to the occasion which happens when the field gets thinner guys kind of can ta- latch onto that pace they'll start up there every once in a while so that gap i think will start to fill in over the next couple of rounds but i think you will see this big separation line for the f- opening third of the season it'll also help when we get barsha back which 
Barsha at press conference, he was on the entry list. I asked him at press conference, you know, if he was going to come back quicker because of the injuries and just be able to ride around. He made a joke that he is incapable of riding around, but he is on press day list for next week. So I don't know if he's going to get released this week and ride a day and show up, but we might have Barsha back next weekend. The crossing press, fingers. The press day list is just set like for the year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's anything indicative of that. Like, for Wash Eagle, AC's on it. He might get abducted yeah. by aliens. Yeah, before then. I was just curious because that one's next week. They would know already if he was like, they just made the list last night. So, or they just confirmed the list like two days ago. That is the plan. So, I'm just saying, I wonder if he might pop in. I feel like there's no way that Barsha is going to ride for the first time this week and then race, I don't think. I mean, Cooper Webb basically did it. Yeah, but Webb's weird. Why um, not Barsha? He'll ride one yeah, day and Barsha's show up and get six. Well. Like, like I say, he um, can ride one day and show up and get six or seventh. Actually, hey, speaking of that, one more thing on Webb. One other point I would say I was, I'd have to look at his actual lap times, but also for somebody who hasn't been able to prepare for outdoors, I thought his long run pace, like, oh, maybe the pace fell off a little bit, but his actual, there's so many guys you see that in their, last 10 minutes outdoors they look like they're just trying to hang on to the motorcycle web looks solid for a guy that has no real outdoor prep i was i don't know body language was good at the end of both motos basically yeah, not just no outdoor prep but i presume in his three or four weeks off he hasn't been probably allowed to do basically yeah, anything like, i presume he wasn't cycling he wasn't in the gym i presume he did nothing i mean yeah because you're not supposed to get your part rate up and different stuff like that right when you're dealing with cognitive issues um We'll get moving here because we don't want to spend too long on the rest of the 450s. But um, Boutron 8th is really quite something. Um, that's all I've got to say about that. Because as I can, Boutron should not be getting 8th. But, but that is the state <laughs> that we are in with the 450 class. Um, I, I asked him how long he knew he was doing this. And he said... Uh, less than a month ago, he found out they were going to be able to do this. Yeah, so that team, um, I don't know why it's called Wildcat now, but in GPs, the team was called JD Gunnix. And it's well, a- because Wildcat's undifferent. That's what Lucrucio was working on. What? That program. That was going to be Lucrucio's team, basically, for outdoors. Yeah, but it's, it's not, this, is, this is the... Yeah, but the Gunnix is helping fund about saying it was going to be something else here. Like it was like, I think it's Lorenzo that was putting it together and Jose. Jesus Christ. Just hit my phone. Uh, Boutron was more of like a later addition to this. Lucrucio has been working on this for a little while. But the, the Gunnix team manager was here as a team manager. Oh. That headset and all. Um, so I feel like it is that team. Um, yeah, because even, even I got text messages from GP people who are linked to that team saying mm-hmm. Gunnix are doing, like the Gunnix team is doing America. Um, and Lucercio and Boutron were teammates in GPs. Yeah. Um, I feel like Lucercio doing GPs was really quite like unpublicized. Um, He's gone back and forth like twice. No, not really. Yeah, he went to GPs and he came back here for a year and then he went back to GPs. Did he come back for a full year? I feel like he came back for like the end of the season and then I feel like he went over and did like a taster and then came back and then went fully. I'd have a look. I think it was more spread. I think he went over, filled in for somebody. I thought he did one full season of like EMX or MX2, aged out, came back, raced US for a year, and then got a filling gig and went back to GPs or something like that. I'm not, I don't care this much. Um, wow. Yes. 
Um, again, this, this whole bottom group, really. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I can't be bothered. I will say this because I have to say this. Lucercio was barely, 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 barely scoring points in GPs. Yeah. The shock and confusion from the GP riders who were texting me saying, is Lucercio really running like seventh? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, really? Like, is this real? Um, and the GP riders definitely took this as a victory for them. But they, uh, if they, if they like want to sound this, everybody knows this. This thing is depleted. Yes, I like, know. You and have to be blind, but to st- think like, otherwise. I mean, yeah, obviously. But. Hey, the one I'll say. I mean, the one other thing I thought was cool is when I walked up to Butron, he was just so excited, like excited to be speaking to America, me excited to be here. One weird comment though he made is he said something about the first three rounds, and I was like, "Oh, so are you not for sure racing the whole season?" He's like, "No, no, the planet we are racing the whole season." But he's like, we really need to find funding to race the whole season. Yeah, he's like, so hopefully we find sponsors so we can do the whole season. But we are doing the whole season. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're Europeans. We're, it's a loose program. Um, <laughs> no, but fair play to Boutron. Like, I don't think anyone expected that. To be honest, he's passed his best. Um, he has been for a while. Um, although he is the reigning EMX Open champion, and just in case he listens to this, that is a big deal. So well done for that achievement. Well, he's, um, is he reigning Spain, Spanish champion I too? I don't know. He's a reigning EMX Open champion, and to be honest, that championship's gone now, so he's actually always going to be the reigning EMX mm. Open champion. So congrats to him on that. Um, but the EMX Open championship was basically like EMX show up and race championship. Um like, like anyway wait I, I need to i've been a bit I've, I've given myself in trouble on this podcast i've said too much about too many things <laughs> you're I, being negative yeah i'm doing too much i thought you were mr positive yeah i actually had a really good day <laughs> <laughs> um we'll talk about my day later because oh. then i'll get more positive but it'll be too late by then um i i expected noran to be in the harlan spot noran was in my mind the he was going to be the bridge from a to b so I would expect him. I would. I would expect him to be the one to start edging closer yeah. to the elite guys um, in the coming rounds. I think um, the big one for him is. I mean, the same goes for a lot of people here, but only one or two days on the bike. And while we've seen a lot of improvements from the HEP program and Supercross, I still think they need to also bridge that gap in outdoors with with the whole setup and everything. Um, you obviously want to talk about Jerry. I'm stoked for Jerry. Yes because I pulled my hair out for the last week and a half trying to help him get stuff together. Uh, I was supposed to ride a gas gas 250 outdoors, uh, rode my Yamaha 450, didn't get his till last week, rode a day and a half on it. One of a day was me and him at Glen Helen just swapping a bunch of parts on his bike. Uh, qualified eighth or ninth overall. Uh, what did he go? He went... What did he do? I can't even look at the... I'm trying to find the split on the overall. He went 8-14... Hands came apart in the second moto when he was running eighth. He would have been seventh overall until his hands pretty much died on him. Um, truthfully, Derek Drake was the he was the seventh guy. Yeah, clearly as well. Like actually, really impressive. Um, I don't know why, but I have like a soft spot for Derek Drake. Like I, 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 I don't really know why. I think I silently believe in him, and I don't really know why. As like, I don't really know where this has come from, but I always am like have a bit of like a belief there i i feel bad because i called that his bike would blow up before the moto that's negative of you i am um and it blew up right in front of me within five feet of me but i expect him to do good things coming up uh amarine is on butler brothers 
the less said about that, the better, I guess. Wait, one one more up there. For anybody who's wondering, Dante Oliveira that was on the KTM riding route with no front fender in the first moto, uh, works off-road champion. Yeah, he was probably right at home with a two-minute 30 lap time. Probably felt like... No, I probably felt... He's like, Where, where's my 10-minute lap? No, I'm sure he felt that the two-minute 30 <laughs> lap time was right at home for him. And Very then, much uh, at home. Ryan Surratt, 14th, also racing off-road this year, told me he took right his... At home. Took his steering dampener off, he said, in practice and almost died, put his steering dampener back on. And he was actually still running his desert tank. Um, uh, Marshall Welton was the biggest disappointment for me. Actually, wait, hold on. One more. You said the Kate Amarine thing when I ignored or interrupted you. Yes, Butler Brothers Racing is back, and supposedly they're going to have a semi next weekend. I, if, if you I, don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Keep it to yourself. This is shocking. If you don't have anything nice to say. <laughs> well, okay, so we're not going to talk about the team that disappeared. As nope. Now all of a sudden they're back on bikes that were randomly thrown together in the parking lot the night day before the race. I mean, look, it's okay, <laughs> but you can say Butler Brothers is back and that means something because that's, that's a race winning team. But it's like it's basically no different to like Wonder Warthog coming back. That's a huge. There is a huge difference. No, but I mean at the level they're at now. Yes, they're, like this isn't like oh Butler Brothers is back. Like this is not the Butler no, Brothers. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with oh there's a team back for it. It's just more the shock. Like this is happening again. This is being attempted. Like, um, yeah, Marshall Welton was the biggest disappointment for me because I honestly really thought he would be the seventh place guy. Um, I think he had a bike problem in the first moto. Or uh, he just crashed and couldn't start it. Kicked it for. Yeah, but two I saw him minutes. stop. Well, maybe he, maybe that was a result of the crash. But he stopped on the track and was fucking around with his something on his bars. His clutch lever was straight down. Okay. So he squirreled out, coming out of a corner, killed himself and Freddie. Ended up in the banners. Got up, kicked the bike for two minute. Kicked it long. Back to your long lap thing. Then he oh. kicked it long enough that the field came back by again. Yep. And then got going, and his clutch lever was straight down. Um. Marshall figured out, I will say, I saw him ride about two weeks ago, and I feel like he's kind of maybe lost at the moment because even the non-crash moto, the, the result doesn't surprise me. I think he's a little bit off from what he normally is right now. I think he's got to work on a couple things. Yeah, I also heard that, but I kind of, I don't know. I just, yeah. like, I mean, this field, like he. Oh, speaking of teammate, one we skipped over, Chisholm, uh, 12th. Chisholm is racing the first three rounds and a little bit of an experiment he was on KYB stuff off the RMZ 250 um, as a little bit of an experiment and test because the team normally runs Showa components. Uh, wouldn't be terribly shocked if maybe that is a telltale something that will happen in the future. On to 250s? Wow, you're just going to jump over everything? Oh, my <laughs> only other observation from 450s is that Jace Kessler wasn't very good at being lapped in the first moto. <laughs> was not? No. Um like jet it was very close with jet and then it was very close with chase like both times i was like ee! like oh my god this is gonna end in tears um i'm gonna cool. i'm gonna throw in one more there just because i like to mention oddball stuff uh josh moseman that works for mxa rode out racing yamaha 450 uh today he's racing a honda 450 next week in a hangtown and then he's racing a gas gas 450 at thunder valley you know yeah. what that's actually a really good idea that's actually a really clever idea. Yeah, for an article. So he built up all three of them and pretty much raced them. He's about the only guy in media that can make uh, mains. Sorry, Kiefer. Poor Chris. Chris's attempt didn't go well. It ended on the second lap of qualifying with him flying through the air and landing on the fire road. So Chris got a little bit beat up. He's okay. 
but was unable to get up and actually put in a qualifying lap. So for all those wondering what the heck happened to this whole Chris Kiefer racing thing, that's what happened to Chris. On to 250s? Yep. Um, Hunter Lawrence winning was the bookie's favorite. He had a big crash on Monday, it turns out, I guess, he said on TV. Um, and he was like barely able to ride press day. I think he said he did three laps and that was it. And he said he was in a lot of pain. I think you could see that in the first moto, similar to Chase, I guess, where it was like it took a while for it to start happening. And then once he got loosened up and like started heading in a nice direction, like it started to flow and then he was fine. But it definitely took longer than I expected for him to start moving. Um, I, for whatever reason, I mean, maybe it was because of the crash. I wasn't so high on Hunter after qualifying. But now, with a results with a results sheet in front of me, I think I give him a hundred percent chance of winning this championship. Mm. I'm, I'm joking, but you know, like, yeah, that's. Sort of I vibe. mean, a favor. I'm kind of curious because Jay Coop's fifth doesn't shock me. He has struggled at this round as an opener before. I think he did last year and a couple years ago. For some reason, something about him and Fox Raceway doesn't seem to be a fantastic combination. Um. Definitely just overall weird with the class. I mean, Hunter has one of the most consistent performances here with a 3-1. And then once, I mean, we'll get in. Once you get past that, it is all over the place. It, the 250 class was just kind of a mess for consistency. So, I mean, with his entire lineup, I'm really curious over the next race or two what the pecking order is actually going to be because I didn't get a lot of indication on what that's going to be after this round. Yeah, you can say that about Justin Cooper, but he even said to me on press day, he was like, yeah, uh, I asked, I think I said to him, what, what's the biggest, what's your biggest weakness outdoors that you know you need to fix? Like what stopped you from getting it done in previous years? And he kind of said like, with the jet battle, they were back and forth on points so much. Whereas Jacob said he should have like capitalized early, gone to work at the opening rounds and tried to build a buffer so that when his thumb got injured and stuff, he had something to work with. So he was like, that's the goal. And like kind of made a statement of like, I'm coming out firing. Not so much. Um, So I I had, I had high expectations. He was my pick to win after qualifying. Um, There was, wasn't there a rumor that he had a really big crash about a week and a half ago or two himself? Uh, I'd heard something about him maybe taking a pretty big digger. I heard I, I heard the same thing, but I never really got it confirmed. And he same. and I that was my first question to him on press day was like, has anything gone wrong recently? And he was like, nope. So I mean, yeah. obviously he would maybe he's lying, but um, my my most impressive rider of the day, and some people are going to mad because they probably get sick of us talking about it sometimes. Um, Hayden Deegan, oh. first moto. <sighs> oh, you're just such a fanboy. First moto, um, Bama Jacob ended up crashing, going, I believe, outside the top 10, came back yeah. to get six. And then I think right before the second moto, I said if he got started, he would easily podium. I don't know. For base, uh, he did race, what, two pro outdoor rounds last year? I mean, still full time rookie. I thought he was impressive. Both motos, pretty decent in qualifying. Uh, so when we saw in Supercross, like for so many of these guys that, seem to be struggling late in the motor at a round that isn't even particular. I mean, this will be the coolest outdoor round we will have of the year by far. None uh, strong throughout the motos. I don't know. I, th- I thought it would take him maybe a little bit longer to be this strong in outdoors. Like I thought he'd be more like a opening the season, like a eighth to fifth place guy or something. Yeah. See like second overall surprises me, but a six two scorecard doesn't <laughs> surprise me. 
Like, because 6-2 would normally put you fourth. Yeah. And if you told me Hayden Deegan was fourth overall, I'm like, yeah, yeah. sure. So um, maybe a little bit skewed in that respect because of how ridiculously inconsistent the entire 250 field was. Um, not one rider had the same result in... Both motos. Yeah, which, which I'm pretty sure is ridiculously uncommon. Because you always have someone who goes 2-2, two, 3-3, two, three, three, like 7-7. Yeah. Seven, seven. Um, Sometimes that person does get screwed and they'll go 7-7 seven, seven for 8 or something weird. But yeah, they still... But they still... At least you would have somebody go like 7-9. There's even a big spread between guys that have similar moto finishes. Um, so who is Hunter's biggest competitor for this championship? Is it... Like, obviously going into it, we all said Jacob. Is it Jacob? I need a round two. I, I, it's it's between J Coop and RJ. Yeah, agreed. It's um, no one else is winning this championship. No, and I kind of had a little bit more. I mean, those were definitely the three I consider very heavy title favorites. I had a little bit of an open mind about okay, maybe there's something to. I, I've said before, like I don't think anybody from MX2 or MXGP can pretty much win here first year due to heat acclimation. Is my big talking point or just anything nobody's pretty much been able to do it for sure wow sorry um but i was still kind of curious i'm like okay maybe there's something we all can do here maybe there's something joe that can do here i don't know i i'm, I'm yeah on the hunter rj j coop train pretty much that it's between those three however it would not shock me in the next couple rounds if rj proves to be maybe more of the the competition than j coop i will say rj definitely had this aura about him this weekend that he wants to get it done and he's here to prove that he can get it done uh maybe overrode a little bit because that a few times but very very impressive our as uh you could say rj has arrived honestly that article i wrote i it was amazing and it was so right in every way and the people who made me bring it down which is no way made you bring well, it down the pitchforks were out the pitchforks were really out like it's like time has passed so we forget just how much like when i think back i i posted it at like midnight went to sleep woke up the next morning checked my phone and was like what like what like what the hell has happened like i remember immediately rereading it like what what did i say like did i accidentally like do a typo where i said rj is shit and i was like the pitch was route but it was like, honestly it's proven to be a bang on um so do championship percentages. I will go 70 Hunter, 15 RJ, 15 J Coop. <sighs> I mean, we haven't got all day, but... Oh, hush. I mean, we literally do this every week as well, so... Oh, hush. 40, 30, 30. Hunter, 40. RJ, 30. J Coop, 30. See, I'm way more confident in Hunter. Because realistically, I can't picture a scenario where Hunter doesn't win this. Then why don't you give him a hundred percent? Because that's ridiculous. That's not a smart. Well, you gambler. would say you would say that about Chase Sexton. I already have given him a hundred percent in my. I, what I like about America, we don't. They don't do this in GPS. The trophies were in the press room. Is that normal? Yes. Yes. Liked that. The red plate was in the press room. Is that normal? Yes. I'm not sure why it's in the press room. Is it just to like be like, oh look? Well, the media center is where we do the podium. Like not the the what like the press conference part of the presentation. They don't hand the trophies out in the press conference though. Yeah, they've always had them in there though. Oh. Well, any, 
new to Because we can shoot photos of them because all the rounds have unique trophies. Uh, well, that makes more sense. Anyway, this is new to me. So I glance over, see the trophy there. First place trophy, 450. Fox and you, you pictured Hunter Lawrence's face floating above it? No, I'm saying 450. Oh, Chase Sexton. So I saw it in the morning and I was like, oh, I'll just go, I'm going to go and give that to Chase. <laughs> <laughs> and the red plate was there. So, oh. so I just picked him up at 9 a.m. Walked <laughs> oh. over to the stage. I was like, hey, Chase. Uh, oh, my God. Excuse me, I is, wish, is Chase around? I wish you would have done that with Kenneth over. You just he had hauling an, it over to like, Honda. Chase had an RV over there. So I was like, knock, 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 knock. I've got some. Hello, hello Chase. I've got something <laughs> for you. I, I did send him a photo of you with the 23 vest on. <laughs> yeah, I think he's sick of hearing about me. I think I think this has gone too far. Um, <laughs> but we can't be stopped. Um, yes, yeah, so I like that I'm new. It's like it's nice to be new somewhere again because you have like like for instance the trophies being in the press room to everyone else in that room obviously didn't yeah. even think anything of it. But to me, that's like something to bring up on a podcast. It's nice being new again. So uh, speaking of RJ, are we going to talk about the elephant in the room? There is no elephant in the room. Um, RJ is very happy with his bike. He is very thankful to Austria for working with him on the bike. And the improvement that he now needs to make now is improve his starts because the changes that have been made to the bike mean that he needs to alter his starting process so for the next week he is going to have an rpm dash on the front fender to help him figure out where he needs to get the rpms to because today he was confused he said he nailed it in the practice start in the morning because that's another thing completely caught me off guard because in gps you do practice and then the practice starts so when they went off for the practice starts i was like oh they're going to do practice they came back and almost got run over so what were you doing while you were coming back? So that's another thing, new. Um, we do practice, and then before the second practice, yeah. we do practice starts. Yeah, but like in GPs, you would do practice the second practice and then come back and do the mm. practice starts. So well, they all set off, and I was like, oh, they're going to do laps. And then they all just came flying yeah. at me as I was stood on the side of the track, and I was like... In GPs, don't they have like a little... Pra- I always see videos of guys like there's a whole little area off to the side to practice like yeah, one person starts. Yeah. yeah, in the pits. You can do that. You can um, do that Friday. Like everyone does that Friday. Well, how about because RJ, his first moto star was good. The biggest thing is he squirreled in the first yeah. corner and like went three different directions. He had the whole shot in the bag. He said, um, he said he nailed he said his starts were fine in the morning when he practiced starts. It's just that when there were when there were 40 riders on the line, he couldn't hear his bike, so he didn't really know where to get yeah. the RPM. So he'll expect him to have an RPM dash uh Will, will that be will that be included with the two Austrians floating around over his bike all day? Um, yeah, they flew in this week, and I think they're staying for testing this week. So um, RJ and Austria is a very happy relationship at the moment. And I've said it before, like I've said it before, I had never had any interaction before with RJ before this year at all. To be honest, most of the guys I'd at least spoken to, like AC. Um, Plessinger, Webb, like I knew all of them. I did not know RJ one single bit. Um, and I really like, I, I think RJ's really like, I like RJ. He's a good guy. He is. I like his, I like, he's honest. Yep. Which is all big thing for me. Um, Trust me, I got in trouble for asking him questions in press conferences last year because um, of his honesty. <laughs> uh, he's honest. He's he's like, he doesn't really give a shit. Like he says it how it, like, I like that. Yeah, I like RJ. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's really happy at the moment. I think he's the happiest that he's ever been, which is nice yeah. to see. Um, so Vial didn't fade in the first moto, 
Um, he didn't know what he was doing with settings, so he just got them to put his GP base setting in for Moto One, and quickly found out that that doesn't work at all. Uh, shocker. Um, yes. Um, he also had a massive crash in qualifying, and that's why he was 16th. Who knew? Oh, I missed the crash. I mean, generally, he's not very good at time qualifying anyway, so I just put it down to that. But he said he had a massive crash. Like, who knew? Um, it, it was a good start for Vial, but obviously I know Vial well. Not personally, but I know he's riding well. He didn't look like Vial to me, and maybe actually the fourth overall is, in my mind... Fourth overall is actually better than what he rode to me. I think yes, because I think I mean just look at some of the guys around him again, how up and down they were. I, he's one. His results at what he end up seven three. He's one of the most consistent results on the board at a seven three. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I like yeah. What just watching Viao at no point was I like oh yeah, there's Tom. Like I kind of like he just doesn't he didn't look the same. Um, and he also said that it's the roughest motocross track he's ever seen. What? Which is funny because the narrative with GPs is they leave the track rough. And Tom was like, yeah, we don't prep the track here at all. Like, what? Like, yeah, they, like, they, they left the track from the morning to the end of the second yeah, motor. They prepped it a ton. I don't know. Ask Tom. That's what he said. Um, I did have a lot of riders comment. I mean, again, I, I guess it's a different type of rough because I always look at GPs as not as much moisture in it. It doesn't get as deep rutted and squarish holes it's more of a, a ch- like kind of just chattery and choppy where some of the u.s races just get these horrible giant chunk holes because they put so much moisture around it just keeps going away but i talked to a bunch of guys that said that was like the most like other than the ruts a lot of them said it was one of the least sketchy paulas they'd ever race there's been race <laughs> i remember the first year we raced a paula i had a lot of people basically were thankful they even finished the moto without dying um interesting comparison um, I'm going to do this, this with Vial all year. Interesting comparison that I never would have made. Vial said that the dirt of Parla is is very, very, very similar to Mantua. And as soon, I never thought of that, but as soon as he said it, I was like, yeah. What do you mean, the top section? No, just in general. I was the saying because there's a huge difference between the bottom and the top section of Parla. Well, we, we, didn't break, we didn't have time to break down straight by straight. We're just talk, generalizing. Um, but he said that Mantova is by far his worst GP track, which again, I never really thought of that. But when he said it, I was like, yeah, okay, you've never really been great there. And he, so he said that <coughs> Parla wasn't <coughs> really his, um, his bag. Um, which, yeah, makes sense. Um, but yeah, just some things, that, some interesting observations. Um, yeah, I want to ask him every week, like... What, what like, does this remind yeah, you like, most of? What, well, like, if you have to make a comparison, what is Hang, what is Hangtown closest to GP-wise? Because mm-hmm. my... I thought that, not soil-wise, but my comparison to Parler was Turkey. Although Turkey is, like, concrete, but just the layout, and I was more thinking that rather than soil. Was Turkey two and a half minutes long? No. No, don't... No, because I never covered Enduro. I covered motocross. Um, uh, we covered Justin Cooper. I still think it was a terrible decision for him to sit out Supercross in order to get ready for this championship because he kind of put himself <coughs> he kind of put himself in a boom or bust situation where so much was made about him sitting out Supercross to win the two fifty championship that if he doesn't win, then it's going to look really like it's going to look very negatively on his career resume um 
Whereas if he'd just let bygones be bygones and left for 250 class without an outdoor championship, no one would have sniffed at it because everyone would have said, oh, yeah, Justin Cooper was great in 250s. He just didn't quite get the championship, but we know he was great. So I kind of feel like he's backed himself into a corner where if he doesn't win this, there's not really any upside to doing this championship. But also, where would he have been on a 450 this year? I don't know, but the brothers. Um <laughs> Let's just ignore the fact that but there the was brothers or wildcat. Let's There's, just let's just ignore that there was also probably a reason he needed a ride. But the brothers or wildcat, one of those. Um, Max Vodum was really good, uh, looking like a kid that is ri- racing for a ride right now. But also, he's always been like he's, he's always been this good at parlor. Like, okay, maybe it was a yeah. slight improvement on that, but not not out of this world crazy to see him that good. Uh, I think big thing is just overall presence in every everything from qualifying to both motos to just sprint pace. I mean, again, there was a lot of talk a couple weeks ago. Oh, he's got a star deal. And then I heard something that that didn't go through. And I asked on press day, like, is there anything? And currently he has no offers. Well, who did you ask? Um, his management. Well, he could also ride for Butler Brothers or Wildcat. <laughs> but... I will say because of the way we were all kind of under the the impression that okay, uh, when the Levi offer him from KTM Cram Cross, okay, Max is out. But now I would say maybe circumstances will change. Yeah, maybe he's got a chance to sort of salvage this. Maybe they, maybe maybe Voland isn't KTM's first choice, and maybe KTM isn't Voland's first choice. But I think it will end up being in everyone's best interest to just do a one year deal. Yeah. Um, well, I'd heard potential one year there, or if it was going to be more than one year, I think it might be Husky, since Husky has not had luck signing the second rider that they've tried multiple times now. I feel like a lot of um, a lot of like deals that were close to happening have fallen through this year. More than usual, like I would get like all oh, this person's got this offer, and it's like close, and those would basically yeah go through because like it's kind of weird to hear. I, you know, a couple times I've heard after the fact, oh, this team tried to get this guy, this guy, and they ended up here, but I've heard it more ahead of time. Oh, this is out. Like, this is really close, and then it doesn't happen. And then they're like, oh, well, now that team has tried to offer this person, and then it doesn't happen. Um, like I said, with both Husky and KTM, that has seemed to happen, which is, is really odd. Um, Shimoda was good, but not good or good. How like how do I feel about Shimoda's day? Because if you want to tell me it was great, then I can kind of understand that. But if you want to tell me it was bad, I can kind of understand that. Yeah, I'm kind of 50, 50 compared to how he ended last outdoor season. Yes, it seems a little bit of a yeah, start to the season. It had its good moments. There were some mistakes. He ended up on the ground in Moto One. He didn't. Did he end up on the ground in Moto Two or no? I can't remember. Moto he Two did there was Moto, a lot going on. Yes, Moto One he did. Um, yeah, I'd heard some comments about the last couple of weeks, or I don't know how many weeks ago this was. I don't know if this is a week ago or two or three. There was some negativity towards some issues he had had with bikes and going in outdoor season. I don't know if he's had the best last couple of weeks, basically getting ready. Well, he could ride for Butler Brothers or Wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> is that your default for everything? Um, well, uh, yeah, but, yeah, Wildcat. It's cool. Um, Faraz is alive. I, I asked him that. He's I went, alive. Yeah, I went up to him on uh, Friday and asked him if he was alive. And he, he said to tell you that he is alive. Honestly, I'm glad that my public statement, what do you call that? A public, my, I'm glad that my public appeal for his return 
his safe return worked and it, he was oh yes yeah, so it's all because of you that he's here he's alive yes <laughs> like i still stand by it like giam what what were you doing like just fell off the face of the earth i know you were babysitting cooper's dog but like that doesn't like we need more than that giam um i'm just thankful he's alive and <coughs> he um was quite good actually uh better than i thought i think yeah. first moto i think we talked about it before like i kind of figured he'd hover right about 10th i don't know why just because we've never seen him really race like that much i was kind of curious on fitness first moto he was hanging around in because what did he start moto one he started moto one in 16th over the line he got to i think around 12th pretty early on he was floating around in 12th for over half the race i was like okay he's just gonna hang out here and then all of a sudden, the last 10 minutes, he laid the hammer down, got to eighth, then fifth place in Sakamoto. And I think Sakamoto, he started really good, though. He started fourth. Um, but I, I guess I take what I said. I said I, I thought earlier, I thought Hayden was maybe most impressive of the day. Maybe I would actually put that on Ferris. I think the most unexpected result, because like I said, I think you could argue that, especially with Deegan's Moto scores, like, okay, that that makes sense. I would say Ferris's is maybe the most unique in the top 10 that I did not expect to see happen. Um, and remember, Ferris is like this signing still, there's no merit to it. There's no backstory to this. It's actually the most random pickup maybe ever. Kind of in a way, in many ways, similar to Swanepoel when he ended up on Star. Like that was just, there was nothing to that. But then at least Swanepoel had a career behind him where he was a third to sixth place MX2 rider. He'd ridden for Factory Kawasaki on a 450. So And Star wasn't the powerhouse there now when they signed him also. Yeah. So it's two very different spreads. He had a career and Star wasn't the powerhouse. <laughs> this one's even But even, even though Star wasn't a powerhouse, it was still a deal that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, this... Faraz, there was nothing like okay. Faraz was going to go to F and H, so obviously he did enough to attract the attention of Mark Deruva. But um, there was no like, uh, yeah, I, I've just it still kind of confuses me how this happened. But one step at a time. He's alive, so from here we will attempt to get more information on the goings on in his life. But first, we had to make sure he was alive, um, and thankfully he is. Um. I didn't notice anything. What happened to Kitchen? He was just kind of there. Decent starts would slowly move forward. He was better towards the end of his motos, but just kind of there. I'd have to go back and look if he ever fell in one of his motos, but I kind of just felt like I saw him in the same spot. And every once in a while, he'd make a move here and there, but just kind of hanging out. Not good? Mm, Not great for the opener, but... I mean, there's only so many spots, but I thought I would have saw if I looked at those results and the starts were way worse, I'd be like, okay. But I mean, he, yeah, he beat a starting position by a couple spots, but nothing crazy. Um, going down the list, I actually think Mumford, Ryder D and Hymus all rode better than their results show. Um, out of that group, Ryder D especially showed maybe the most potential. Um, there were some good flashes there, I felt. Um he was the bet. Now, the interesting one, kind of like the races we saw from him last year, though, he's a really good starter. He was 6-6 across the whole shot line for both motos, so he technically went backwards a little bit, um, where in comparison, Carson, and I think Chance kind of went, uh, Chance fell off the second moto, but first moto Chance had a pretty bad start. What what 
Moto did Chance crash. I think that was Moto One where he. I thought it was Moto Two. No, uh, maybe later. Moto One, he was in losing the corner a side plate. Lane. Oh, I he, missed that. Was that cr- Moto Two then? He crashed at some point in the corner. I think of the in Moto lane. One, he crashed too, unless he was just losing plastic because his bike looked a little banged up in Moto One at one point. Um, similar to Kitchen, Jordan Smith, I just kind of saw existing in 9th yes. to 14th. He had a massive crash in uh, practice, the first practice yeah. session. Peak gone, uh, all of that good stuff. Peak? Peak. What's a peak? No, I'm kidding. I know what a peak is. It's just oh. funny to hear you say that. Um, one, one other thing I'll note I mentioned to somebody at Star, because I kind of felt like other than Hayden's second moto start was good, uh, Gilliam second moto star was good, but for the most part, I thought for the powerhouse, you know, bike wise, the star is. It seemed like most of their guys were starting outside the top ten. I made a comment to somebody there, and they said that the new fresh grates for super cro- or for outdoors were different than the ones they had at home. They had more traction. All their guys, I think, were struggling basically with the bikes popping off the line. So they were going to go mess with that this week. They felt like they were pretty off on their start. So with the super motocross deal. Why aren't we just using the Supercross grate? Well, they, the, this is a new grate I think you'll see in Supercross next year. They came up with this new grate design at the last minute because it's more compact. Well, so easier just because it's easier for them to ship. Yes, and the other thing it does is they were struggling in Supercross with guys setting up on them sideways. This one you basically yeah. are more limited on how you can set up on it. Because I remember they brought one to a Supercross right before the end, tested it. And they're like, yeah, this is the one we're going to go forward with. I think you will see this great in Super Motocross and Supercross next year. Okay. Just want to check on the partnership, make sure they're doing the best they can. It was very interesting to go to an outdoor national and actually see a decent amount of Feld staff running around. Yep. Great to see Sean Brennan. Sean Brennan. Uh, I saw Dave Prater. Um, I saw a few other couple just people here and there that have been more involved with felt that are not only at the opening round just to check in a few of them told me they would actually be attending anywhere from like a third to half of the series um uh michael moseman he the second moto was some sort of positive momentum shed of light that he can hold on to and honestly he said to me that he expected to be top five that's insane i don't know Let's back it down on that, Michael. Um, I think first moto he crashed. He was coming. I remember one point seeing him outside top thirty in the first moto. Yeah, but st- like, let's, yeah. let's back. Let's look, like I was trying to kind of talk him around. Like let, let's take our tenth in second moto. You finally got something nice to talk about. Let's build from here. Um, but he he was he. I think he was happy, but also I don't know. Hard to read. I don't think he was stoked because I think he expected a lot more. But I think that considering where he's come from, that'll do. Um, so I interviewed him after the race, and then I walked past him later on and said, oh, see you later. And he went, good game. What does that mean? Because <laughs> I'm new That's here. Michael. That's just Michael. Because I see yeah, as I said, I said, I said, good luck. See you later. And he went, good game. And I, I just, I, I didn't know what to respond. Like, what do I don't, I'm new here. So what do you... I didn't I just, like you too. Like I don't. I didn't know what to reply. I didn't I, like. I, I threw me off. They didn't cover that in my social skills class. Um, so just wanted to get some clarity on that before I run into another situation like that. Like now, do I need to, when I next see Chase? Do I need to say to him, "Good game"? No. Next time uh, you talk to Moseman afterwards, tell him checkmate. 
I, I just I, if I need to tell Chase good game, then I will. Just want to make sure that I'm doing all I can there. Um, you can talk about the club guys. Uh, rough one for March Banks and J Mart. Both they end up finishing 16th, 17th. March Banks starts 27, 22nd. Pretty sure he went down right after the second one. They were both basically coming from dead last. Uh, I talked to Jeremy. I did not talk to Garrett after race. He pretty much left. I talked to J Mart. Uh, the team told me he was not around, but then somebody told me they thought he was. I went in the rig and he was vacuuming the upstairs. Um, pretty much expressing his feelings about his life at the moment, which would be a lot of explosives if I were to repeat it. Um, I talked to him for a minute. He basically said that he went down both modes at the beginning. Um, he said that was probably the worst race of his entire career. Um, he said, you know, he's been in that position before, and the fact that he couldn't come back to get inside the top 10 and he was struggling to get inside the top 20, um, he said was very, very frustrating. He was. He pretty much put all the blame on himself, but I read between the lines on a few things, and based on a comment I heard, it went from him and March Banks going back to club this week to staying in California and testing their race bikes. From a visual aspect, the club guys were struggling on the bike side. They were struggling. They just, <laughs> to put it bluntly, whether it's a drive issue, whether it's a power issue, they did not look competitive. Neither of their guys did. Um, so... I think you're going to see them try uh, try to pull, well, fix that in the next week or two. If they're not happy, they could contact Butler Brothers or Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, um, oh, there's um, another one. I just looked. At, I just looked at the list. I've got to say that again in a minute. Oh um, no! Um, but in in J Mart's case, like definitely for him, I he was very frustrated. He was cool. Take a few minutes to chat about it, and you could tell the frustration. I and I don't know if at one point he was saying this to me to either kind of give him his own mental back or wherever he said, well, he goes, I'm trying to decide if it's, I've gone slower. If I'm just not Ryan good, or if anybody has gone faster, what do you think? And I said, I don't really subscribe to the fact that the generations keep getting faster. I think the equipment gets better. I think the techniques get better, but I'm like, as soon as you figure it out, you'll be a top five guy again. I don't think it's all these kids have gone that much better in the two years you've been hurt. I don't know. I never had J Mark down as a guy this championship not for his championship but like i mean even last year when he was on star and he came into the first round complete jacked up shoulder wise he was still a top three guy on speed. i had him i had him down as being like five to eight yeah i don't i want quite a little but i had him as like th- a little bit wider window because of how many guys there were i was thinking four to eight three to eight mm. um i worry for caden braswell not just because his interviews are weird but because he's left Phoenix Honda to pursue this opportunity of four races at TLD. There are only three races to go now. This wasn't anything to write home about. So where does his career go once his TLD deal ends? Does he go to Wildcat or Butler Brothers? <laughs> okay, I was wondering where we were going. Um, well, I mean, his case, Phoenix wasn't doing outdoors, so he got released from his contract. But I feel like he could have maybe... Maybe greased the wheels a little more to stay there for next no, year absolutely not was not happening oh well okay well then what he, had a, he had a contract with an option they weren't going to pick it up he was going to be without son uh tld was a factory option for free for four rounds um look kane's nice um from everything i know i hear he's a hard worker like fitness wise but i, I don't know how to put this i say yes he was the horizon award winner last year but i think on paper 
in the last 20 years of everybody's won that, I think he is the weakest rider to have ever won that, that award. Um, it's going to be tough. Like if you look at the teams club has one spot, but they're not going to sign him. Um, he's not going to get a ride on any of the factory teams. So help me out. Wildcat or Butler Brothers? Like, seriously? <laughs> Barak Suzuki? I don't know. I mean, that is probably, that is honestly a, probably a good shout. Hep 250 or Barcat? Bar, Barcat. We've got it all. It's all um, mangled together. Hep yeah. 250 or Bar X 250? Probably, realistically, that's probably what he's going to, his best hope. Um, but honestly, I think even that may be a tough sell because I would take Drake over Braswell. I would take. Mumford over Braswell. I would take. Mm. I would. I would. Schwartz or Braswell would be a bit of a toss up, but I would probably take Schwartz. Schwartz, Schwartz has gone to sixth place, which, speaking of which, that was his is very disappointing. Um, I heard he had some issues switching bikes and bikes blowing up lately. But anyways, um, hey, one we actually skipped over the uh, the enigma that is Ty Masterpool. Hmm. Is he also looking at maybe riding for a Wildcat or Butler Brothers? No, something confused me about him. Talk a minute. Something confused? Okay. Uh, Ty's been pretty quiet lately. He was actually on Bar X Suzuki and Supercross, only made two rounds before he got fired. Shocker. Um, I had heard from a couple people that had seen him the last week or two late in the days that he's been ripping, that we were going to maybe see the, the Ty Master Pool from a couple years ago at Redbud, and... He has his own Cowie program put together, and he went to do 14, what do you do, 14.23. It was just kind of there. Um, first of all, I look forward to him whole-shotting Red Bud and finishing it. <laughs> I did make that joke to somebody. I said, I, actually, my, my quote was, he races the first two rounds, disappears for two rounds, comes back to Red Bud, whole shots, leads for 15 minutes, and then potentially disappears again. His Instagram post, what's up, everyone? Sorry for being MIA. It's like, you can't, you can't go MIA 17 times in your life and just apologize because then your apologies mean nothing. Like if I murdered someone and went, <laughs> sorry for murdering that person, maybe people go, oh, look, that's all right, Lewis. You said sorry. But if I murder someone again and then go, look, sorry for doing that again, you're probably going to say, look, Lewis, your sorries don't carry much weight with us. I just want to let you know, growing up, I love this show, Top Gear. That is something Jeremy Clarkson would say. Murdering. I murdered a hooker. I'm very sorry. But <laughs> I like Jeremy Clarkson. I love, I love his one. The whole truck driver was it shift gear, shift gear, murder prostitute, shift gear, shift gear. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, when he's a lorry driver. But yes. Like you're, like you're so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but your sorry does not carry much weight now. You know what you are doing. Um, and this time next year, there'll be another post that says, sorry for being out. And it's like, I don't like, like uh, to be honest with you, Ty, I'm not sure that Wildcat or Butler Brothers are going to be interested at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe Butler Brothers and Ty can join up and then just go missing what? together. Okay, so. And with Farris, they can take Farris with I, them. I made another rude comparison. I asked a few people, I walked around, I said, who makes it longer this season? Butler Brother 3.0 or Ty? And every person I asked that question to was like, Ooh, it's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. Which one um, makes it farther? Anything else on the two? Th- uh, t- uh, tip of the hat to Jalik because he actually looked very good in before f- his crash in Moto yeah. One. He whole shot, or I, I they've got him listed as third. I thought he technically whole shot the first Moto. I thought um, it's what? first lap. 
It's not the whole shot line. It's first lap. Oh, it says start whole. Sh- oh, sorry. Well, no, the well, they don't have. I don't think they have a technology to. They have it for TV, but I don't think they have a technology for timing. Be- okay. To- yeah, because he, especially, I really don't know how much prep time he has. I think it's pretty minimal. Um, no, I was actually really impressed with Jalik coming back. Um, good for the Husky team to have him back under the awning. Of course, they are also still helping uh, Talon Hawkins, which he scored 20th, what did he get, 2017 for his moto scores. Um, there's a couple other oddball ones there. Again, Schwartz for what was Suzuki's hope, basically, at one point for decent motos. Very, very rough beginning to him being uh, back at Bar X. He was with Hep Suzuki. Um, they basically parted ways, but due to his Suzuki relationship and contract, he was basically moved to Bar X for the summer uh, to finish out his contract and definitely did not start the way I think they were hoping. Um, yeah, 250s is good. Some good tip there should be a lot of changing. Um, um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what happened to Wageman. Big deal was going to Bar X this year. He'd actually get to race outdoors, which he's never really gone to do. And he was 39 did not show up for the second moto, so I don't know if he crashed or bike problems or what. Um, watch out, everyone. South Africa are coming. They've got <laughs> positions 31 and 32 on lock. Um, Marcus Phelps is actually uh, kind of British. Um, that's actually someone I'm familiar with, of all, all jokes aside. Um, anything else? One little note for, for moto fans. Uh, Doug Dubok's son... Carter Dubach made a, I believe it was his pro debut. He ended up 39th by going 37 in the first moto and did not finish second moto, but still pretty cool. Um, honestly, I'm trying to think if there's any other little, I don't want to give my full pros and cons list, but I'm trying to think if there's any other little things that caught me by surprise today. The whole sighting lap. I, I very much appreciated that they let Chase go first on a sighting lap and th- do like be 30 seconds ahead. And I've already phoned Luongo and trying to get Ben Watson the same treatment in MXGP because <laughs> I liked that. That was a very nice touch. But also, I don't understand it. Well, it's sort of like, so we don't have, op- it's like an, yeah. we don't have opening ceremonies here like Supercross. So that's kind of the way they name off the top five or six guys and let them take off first. They do the same thing at a GNCC. Um, they let the top couple guys go name them off and then they let the whole field go. Well, I very much enjoyed them letting Chase have his limelight, but also I was confused. And when they did that in the first 250 moto, after they did two or four guys, I thought to myself, we're going to be here forever if they're doing this for all 40. <laughs> like, we are literally going to be like, surely not. And obviously we didn't, but I was like, this can't work. Um, any other little things that happened? Uh... Um, no, I think you're going to have to wait for my pros and cons list because I can't think of any other little things where I was very confused as a newbie. Um, wanted a bigger press tent. I didn't want a bigger press tent. I just was surprised at the size of the press tent, but it didn't affect me. Um, I had to stand in the general public for practice. I had a hazmat suit on and gloves and... I remember when you posted... Did you... Okay, weird one. Did you not know that at Nationals we don't have wash bays and all the teams have all their built-in washers? No, it was being sarcastic. Okay, I was wondering. I thought you knew. Yeah, I was being sarcastic. Yeah. Although, it is funny because obviously, like, the wash bays joke thing has gone on for years and I never thought much of it because I've... In my media career, I've always been around wash bays. So I kind of was like... It's kind of like so normal to me that I never really recognized what they do because it's just normal. Yeah. And then today I was like, oh, well, actually, that's quite a good idea. 
Um, yeah, yeah. No, just a, I, another I, little thought I, that I had. I always laugh at nationals because depending <laughs> on the parking area and everything, because <laughs> all the the factory teams, of course, have built in wash systems into their trailers and everything. But they're always digging ditches trying to figure out how to route the water not to go from their area to the factory team next to them. But if it's privateers behind them, it's like, yeah, just let the water all wash them down. It's fine. <laughs> just route everything to go downhill into the rest of the parking lot. Um, another observation. It was weird. Not weird. It was surprising to me how quiet the fans are compared to a GP. Yeah, it is. That's. It depends because, on actual, like a red red bud's a lot yeah, different. Yeah, but red bud is ex- like put it red as an bud, exception. Even a Southwick, California, it's. I don't know how to say it without our fans. Kind of like a Jade. Like I said, you don't even see the people. Part of it is the layout of that place, but they don't really come down to the pits. They don't interact as much around the riders. I don't know if you would call it jaded or just they don't appreciate the same way. They'll, no matter what, yes, every U.S. motocross race, I think you will be very disappointed compared to a GP in terms well, of... Well, I'm not disappointed. Fan- I don't care. It just surprised me. Yeah, just the fanfare. The East Coast ra- rounds will be a lot louder, but it's it's different you don't have a lot of horns you don't have a lot of signs you don't have a even the people out they don't go out of their way to to do any body paint they don't have signs they don't have chainsaws nothing yeah because like when i found out i had to stand in the general public oh, just saying those words since oh, i'm sorry down my spine. Only, i made sure it um, only lasted a little while for you my thought was like oh my god i'm gonna be stood next to like air horns and chainsaws and it's gonna be like insane and then when i got there i was like oh it's actually quite pleasant it's like very sophisticated. Just another observation. Um, right, any final thoughts? Nope. Um, I feel like in future, maybe I won't do this podcast at 10 p.m. on the night of a race when I'm dusty because I feel like my opinions have been quite erratic on this podcast and I feel like I will be getting some calls. As erratic as uh, Butler Brothers and Wildcat Racing? That's just just trying to find riders a home. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, not sure that comparing Ty Masterpool's Instagram post to murdering someone was probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was my favorite part so far. You have to get an apology ready for that. Just happy that Fares is alive. And I got to speak to Chase on four different occasions today. So life was good. No, genuinely. Happy days. Happy days. To bring this full circle, I genuinely had a really good day. Like I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't overly like stoked about outdoors just because I, for some reason, everyone told me that I wouldn't like it, but I hadn't been to a motocross track since Turkey last year, which was the first weekend in September. Not, not a normal practice track, not midweek. Like I genuinely had not been to an outdoor track since the beginning of September last year, which was the longest I've ever gone in my life without stepping foot into a motocross track and being there today kind of like was like i don't know it kind of was made me go like oh yeah this is really good like i like this um (laughs) so so yeah there's my um feel good story or my feel good moment to end on um sorry about the coughing i genuinely have got like so much dust in my throat and for some reason i wasn't coughing at all and then i started talking and now i can't stop so that's great um i know i already asked you this but anything else nope okay well thank you for listening everyone i do hope you enjoyed it very much um i met a lot of fans today it was great to meet you all so thank you for that 
Um, I hope to see you, you all in Hangtown as well. Um, thank you to Decal Works for presenting this podcast. Without them, we wouldn't be doing this or the post-race podcast. Post-race podcast with Chase, of course, Ferrandis, Webb, Plessinger, AC, Hampshire, VL, and Moserman, good game, was, that's enough one I push and said, um, uh, up now as well, presented by Decal Works. So check those out as soon as you're done with this podcast. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I think it's 40 minutes in total, so plenty for you to indulge in. But for now, I'm Lewis Phillips, your host. That's been Michael Lindsay. We will see you next week to break down round two of Pro Motocross from Hangtown. Thank you for listening.